thanks for joining me on this edition of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm Bob Fibbs, your host. I'm known as the Retail Doctor. You can find out more about me by going to retaildoc.com. That's R-E-T-A-I-L-D-O-C.com, where you'll find I am one of the world's authorities on brick and mortar retailing. Also there, you'll find my popular blog, my resources on my video library, as well as other editions of the podcast. Let's get to our guest. On this retail podcast, I interview Barry Brown, CEO of the Sleep Store in San Jose, California. Barry talked about his progress up the ranks to running multiple locations and mattress brands and eventually landing in his own single store selling luxury mattresses to Silicon Valley. Let's get going. Good afternoon, Barry. Good afternoon, Barry. How are you? I'm well. I'm going to now start recording. Great. <laughs> Welcome, Barry Brown with Sleep Store in San Jose. Hey, Bob. Great to have you here with us. So who are you and what do you have to do with retail? And try to keep it under an hour. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> under 10 hours. <laughs> um, the uh, Currently, we own and operate a uh, very high-end luxury mattress store in uh a very upscale Santana Row shopping center in San Jose. Um, we only deal in uh, handmade uh, luxury mattresses that are chemical free. Uh, and our starting price point is $5,000 and we go up way over $100,000 for a mattress. But wait a minute. Um, everybody's buying beds and boxes and all they care about is uh, two ninety nine. dollars uh, specials isn't that all that we want is buy on promotion and convenience isn't that all anyone wants to buy anymore Barry well if you just relied on a Google search yeah but uh, <laughs> the uh, the reality is that uh, there's there are a lot of customers that want uh, natural products um, and they want something that's customized for them or they have an application at home that they need something unique and different for well I want to backtrack just a little bit because um, you have had an amazing uh, career to get you to this point. Can you just fill us in a little bit about some of the organizations you've been um, associated with and maybe your journey to owning just one store in San Jose? Sure. Uh, So, I mean, very long story. I've lived a long time, so I've got a lot to say, but the, the, I guess the consolidated version is, uh, uh, got married at a very young age, couldn't find a job, needed a job, and somehow I found a job selling used cars. And uh, not a glamorous job, but it got me through college. Then I upgraded and I sold Datsuns before Nissan was Datsun, <laughs> or before, yeah, however that works. Right. Uh, so, so it was that long ago. Um swore when I graduated from college that I'd never, ever get into retail ever again because the hours are brutal. You meet crazy people. You're not respected. How could I ever do that to myself? So I got a job with a Fortune 100 company. And I was worked there for 12 years, kept getting promoted, 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 got promoted to Seattle. And uh, 
this uh, crazy guy with obviously not his first wife came storming in the building and uh, wanted to tell me that they were going to revolutionize the mattress industry. And uh, they were going to open these things called sleep shops. And sounds crazy now, but back, even before the internet, everybody bought uh, their mattress in a department store right, or a furniture right. store. And, uh, you know, it really truly was one of the first sleep shops in the U.S. Mattress Discounters was the first one. And uh, met this guy. And, uh, you know, in that position at Ryder, I had met a lot of entrepreneurs with big dreams and, and small pocketbooks. And we negotiated a security deposit. And I leased him some old uh, Ryder one-way, the household moving trucks, painted them white painted over the yellow, put their logo on it. And that started sleep country and wow. sleep country USA. And, um, I reviewed their financial statements every month. And, uh, one day I had received another promotion from Ryder. And so I was young and my ego was out of control. And I thought, you know, the best thing I can do is go in and get a price increase from this guy. Cause he's a difficult customer. And, uh, <laughs> about an hour and a half later, I walked out of there with a job offer, uh, six-figure signing bonus, and uh, part ownership of the company. And so that's how I got back into retail, the thing I swore I'd never do. Uh, but at Sleep Country USA, we grew from uh, you know, a startup to uh, we grew to 75 stores. Uh, we also started up Sleep Country Canada, uh, which is still to this day, the biggest and the best mattress retailer in all of Canada. And they are truly a fantastic organization. Uh, the CEO of Sleep Country Canada is amazing. And he was a store manager at Sleep Country USA. And then when we went and started up Sleep Country Canada in an advisory consulting role uh, for some really sharp owners, uh, Dave made the move uh, to Canada and, and he's running the whole show now. Wow. Um, so wait, let's just unpack that for one sec. So mm -hmm. the industry, as what we've been hearing, is is in total freefall, and no one's making money, and uh, it's it's all online. And what you're saying is, no, there are actually people who started out quite a while ago and uh, are still considered uh, as experts in the field. Is that correct? I think it's important to stop there for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the retail mattress industry in North America is a, <laughs> approximately a 17, 18 billion dollar industry. Uh, out of the 150 uh, online sellers of mattresses in the U.S., they're doing about a billion five right now, um, and expected to grow to two billion. So there's still, you know, 15, 16 billion dollars being sold in mattress retail stores and department stores and furniture stores. Thanks. Um, we can, so we can move on now. I think it's very important we get that out because, uh, again, so many people listen to this from a variety of backgrounds, from people who work in big boxes, people who work with brands, independents. And I think it's just really important for, your, um, for this podcast to understand that it's a thriving market and they're, in spite of some of the news, that still the majority of these products are still doing quite well across the U.S. So, um, so you started that with Sleep Country, both USA and Canada, and then what ended up happening? Then we, the owners, decided to uh, 
part company from one another. And uh, so the next step was to sell the company to private equity. And uh, I was the lead on selling uh, the company to private equity. And uh, it was about a, about a year process and lots of great stories that are best told in dark, dingy bars um, <laughs> and not on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but they were pretty some pretty great stories. But uh, we ended up selling to Fenway Partners, who uh, at the time was the owner of uh, Simmons Mattress. And that's a whole nother long story, but it's all, you know, interesting conflict in the mattress industry where there's so yeah, much right. private equity. Um, but we, we sold the company to, to Fenway Partners. Um, and then uh, uh, shortly after that, we acquired all of Sleep Train stores in the Northwest. And that brought us up to 75 stores and uh, about $85 million in revenue. And... Uh, navigated, uh, you know, with lumps, we navigated through the 2000, 2001 recession. Um, and as we were coming out of that recession in 2002, uh, I was contacted by a headhunter for, to interview for the CEO job at Mattress Giant, uh, based in Dallas. And, uh, after flying to Nashville and meeting with the, the ownership group, uh, accepted the opportunity at uh, Mattress Giant um, started there in 2002, and we had 172 stores um, and about uh, $140 million in revenue when I started there. And then fast forward 10 years, uh, we were doing about three, about $250 million and uh, had 386 stores and a couple of acquisitions along the way. So you know a thing or two about making money in a brick and mortar store. I think we can uh, all uh, get that from that, that pedigree. What do you think mm-hmm. the most common problems are for an awful lot of, um, well, I, let's start with larger chains. Cause you're also now an independent, you know, much smaller, but larger chains, what are some of the challenges that you run into <coughs> with that many uh, units? Well, I think uh, if you look at the turnaround of Best Buy, I think that's probably a, a great example. Uh, they went, everything got centralized. They took all of the decision-making away from the local folks. Um, you know, you see it at, uh, uh, at Macy's where, you know, Macy's in the old days had regional buyers and, yeah. and they had, merchandise that was reflective of the market and you didn't get the same winter clothes in Minnesota that you did in uh, Los Angeles. Well, they're trying to go back to that now. They've kind of swung the other way. They did so much centralized. Now they're kind of realizing, Hey, maybe that was something we should have looked at. Yeah. It's, you know, you look at Best Buy, they, they quickly made some smart changes and they empowered the people on the sales floor to match prices, online prices immediately. And all of a sudden, Best Buy turned around. And I think in retail, you have to have um, local knowledge. You have to have employees that are enthused, energetic, are committed to the cause. Um, and remembering that retail is detail and you have every little thing matters. Well, you told um, me a story about that before we go too far. So you told oh. me a story about going into, um, you told the guy how to raise his it, it, revenue if, 
I forget exactly how much you said, but all he had to do was clean his bathroom. Wasn't that what you started with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, one of the best salespeople I've ever known in mattresses over the years. And he was working in the Wellington, Florida store and he was, his number, he was killing his numbers and way over last year. I don't remember the numbers right now, but you know, he, he, he was always up everywhere he went. He was just an amazing salesperson. And he said, Mr. Brown, how can I, how can I improve, uh, how can I improve my sales in the store? You know, we're up 20 or 30% and, but I want to do more. And I said, clean your bathroom. And he said, that, why? It doesn't matter. And it's no different than making your bed every morning. It's a discipline um, and a commitment to having the store be right. Um, and uh, he called me about three weeks later and he said, you know, Mr. Brown, I, uh, I took your advice. I spent a whole day cleaning the bathroom. I got it perfectly clean and uh, nothing happened for a week. And I thought, wow, he's just, he's just giving me busy work. And then a lady pulled up in a BMW and I was all excited. And she came in and said, I'm here to buy a new mattress. And, but before I do, I really want to use your restroom. And she went into the restroom, used the restroom, came out with a big smile on her face and said, I've been in six mattress stores today. Yours is the only one with a clean bathroom. I want to buy a bed from you. And wow. proceeded to buy a $4,000 bed. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of amazing. But that's true, though. I, I appreciate that lesson. That it's a it's a habit of of being detail oriented, right? That's that's right. the key. I think that's the challenge for an awful lot of um, certainly medium and larger brands that you've got hit or miss people, right? They sort of buy into it, they sort of don't, and then there's others who are just waiting for something else to to come along. And ultimately, that's your brand being defined there, right? By by shoddy service or by a shoddy bathroom. Exactly. And I, I think in retail, it's very easy for, um, I call it mattress blind, but it would apply to any, any retail environment where you see the same thing, you know, you see the same piece of paper on the floor day in and day out, you know, on the 10th day, you're like, eh, there's that piece of paper. And you don't even notice it. Um, yep, but, there it is again. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> seen that thing before. And so you, you just have, but every customer that walks in your door, they're looking at it through a fresh set of eyes. And so every little thing that may not mean anything to you looking at the store day in and day out, it's a big deal to the customer Yeah, uh, because they're looking at through unfiltered. Well, they have their own filters, but they're looking at the store, you know, like literally like they're there for the first time. Yeah. And so everything will either excite them or uh, discuss them. Yeah, and no, you I think that's very true. Um, yeah. what, what's been the biggest challenge for you in the past three years? Was it, uh, you know, taking everything that you know and, and bringing it down to this uh, luxury mattress store? Um, or, or, or what would be the biggest challenge and how you overcome it? Came it? Well, I think the... You know, the biggest challenge is going from working in a corporate environment to an entrepreneurial environment. Um, you know, there there isn't a staff to for me to say, do this ad, fix this computer, um, you know, rearrange the uh, linens on the uh, display cabinet. Um, you know, so you really have to get into every little detail. Yeah. And 
you have to live it and breathe it and realize that it's all about you. And I'm fortunate that our son has worked for me for 16 years in the mattress industry. He's very talented. And so I'm fortunate that he's able to work in the store with me. Yeah. Um, so we're a good team and we do well together. And uh, whether it's family ties or experience, we talk and act and think the same way around customers. So we have a very consistent message that's never conflicted. Um, and there's never, you can't go one against the other in our family because we're on yeah. the same page. On well, that's really important because you can get those renegade uh, sales guys where it's kind of like the wild, wild west. And if you buy it from me today, I'll give you an extra 10% off, but only ask for me, yeah. right? All that kind of stuff that you don't know um, what's happening. So what's the most or, expensive or, oh, good. Or, or in the mattress industry, if you come in, talk to me and pay cash, I'll give you a 20% discount. For some reason, that that uh, cash never finds it way, its way into the drawer. Funny about that. Our inventory yeah, never must seen be that. off. <laughs> yeah, the inventory guy doesn't know how to count. That's exactly because they're so hard. There's just so many to count, right, at one time. That's always it. So how much yeah. is the most expensive bed? Yours is like, what, 50000 from? Uh, no, our, our most expensive. Our, our most expensive bed from Heston's in Sweden is 179000 Oh, I was too low. Uh, no. Yeah, our, our best-selling bed is $43,000. So maybe that's the one you have in your head from our discussion. That must be it. So, so how is the sales process different between these three? You have three bed companies, one from Sweden, one from England, one from USA, and you know, is that different than when you were selling something that was at a much lesser uh, price point? Um, absolutely. I mean, in a in a regular mattress store or somebody that buys online, the discussion is, you know, I want to. Every customer comes in and says they want a firm bed, but, hmm. and. <laughs> And there's an old wives' tale that a firm bed will last longer or it's better for your back. There's probably an article somewhere on the internet that says it's better for your back. Um, and it's, it's just not true. And, and so we spend a lot of time educating the customer on, you know, the right bed for them, not the right bed for their mother. And the, and then we also have the ability to customize, which really helps. But, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to find the right product for the customer and educating them along the way on all the benefits. We're in a regular mattress store, you know, it's, it's all about uh, price, you know, isn't it? What can you afford? Yeah, it's about price and you try to move them up, but if they balk, you just go, that's okay. I'm going to churn and burn and, yeah, and get right. up to the next one. Uh, you know, it's like I met the, uh, I was with uh, Simmons Mattress in Atlanta uh, a couple of years ago. I was with one of the uh, vice presidents, and he said, hey, you want to go meet the best salesperson of Simmons Mattresses and all of Rooms to Go? And I said, heck, yes. I am all about meeting the best in our industry. So we got in the car and left their headquarters, and we went to uh, Buckhead, walked in, and I met the number one mattress salesman of Simmons for all of Rooms to Go which, you know, they're a huge organization. Yeah, right. I said, so. What's your you know, he was, right? Yeah, so we were talking and he's telling me all about how many Simmons he sells and what a great salesman he is. And I was like, that's great. I said, but well, what's your secret to success? Why do you sell more 
Simmons than anybody else in rooms to go. And he goes, oh, that's really simple. He says, I can type up an invoice faster than anybody else in the building. So I get, I get done with the sale and I'm back in line for the next stop before everybody else. Wow. And then I asked his boss how many comfort exchanges he has, how many exchanges for the oh, wrong comfort. Right. Right. And not surprisingly, he was also the leader in the clubhouse on all the bad behaviors. So, you know, that's part of one thing over the other. It's not customer satisfaction. It's like you said, churn and burn. How quick can I get them out the door? Well, that's our whole philosophy and approach in our store is we take the time, we find the right bed and we make it and we do it right for, for every customer. Well, I think Um, that's the challenge, you know, I think people walk into most mattress stores, there's what, 20, and then they just start laying down on them. Well, anything's going to feel better than a bed you've had for 20 years, right? I mean, realistically, your body's not going to immediately tell you, but if you get educated and suddenly you realize like, wow, there's a lot more to this, I think you can also shut down, right? The customer can feel overwhelmed and like, well, I don't want to think about this too much. So how do you balance that between what they need to know and what they come in knowing because you're in a very uh, upscale neighborhood for god's sake you're diagonally across from gucci so you're dealing with a very different customer than most of the people in the world i would say and uh, not only different from a from you know people that can afford a five to over hundred thousand dollar mattress but we also have i mean the san jose san francisco market is incredibly diverse and so we have we have world and you know a lot of engineers uh at you know at google and facebook and apple um so i mean we get we get europeans we get uh people from india people from china uh japan taiwan uh, south africa we've had Probably somebody from every country has been in the store. Um, and so you also have to know how to sell and have a conversation with different cultures mm. because <clears throat> their buying process and their thought process is very unique and different. And so you have to, um, you know, you have to address each customer individually and be aware of, you know, what they're used to, what they know, and be able to compare and contrast to what what they know and what this new mattress will uh, help them to experience. Well, I think, which will be- yeah, I think that's been uh, lost a long time ago with most retailers. The idea to compare and contrast to me is the secret to it all. And then being able to say it in a way, I mean, I get it. Your engineers probably want to know tensile strength, et cetera, et cetera. But for most of us in the world, being able to translate that all into a way that we can say, Oh yes, this is for me. Or, Oh yes, I get that. Or, Oh yes, that's important to me. Uh, when they've never walked in the door saying that. And I think um, to your point also, uh, you and your uh, son uh, probably start off the exchange by understanding we're going to sell a mattress to this person. There's no question about it. We just have to go through and stay focused on our process and, and how we work, right? Uh, sales, <clears throat> if, if you don't have a sales process, you're dead in today's world. You have to have a process and you have to have people that know how to adjust to different clients when they come in. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, but the, the principles of the process, all, you, you've always got to stay true to those. Absolutely. I, I would totally agree with you. Well, you've been a generous man here on a um, on an afternoon. I was just curious, uh, when you get uh, uh, overwhelmed or unfocused, now I know you went to, on vacation here recently, but if you just lose your focus temporarily, I mean, what do you do? I mean, or, or what do you, you know, what questions would you ask yourself if you had kind of lost your focus? And that could be a anything you've learned across, along the way to your store right now, what, what do you do to get back on track? Well, I mean, usually it's, uh, you have that hard discussion in the mirror where you, there's nobody to fool, but you know, there's nobody to convince other than yourself. And, uh, I find that I, you know, when I'm shaving or brush my teeth, I just look in the mirror and say, are you going to be successful today? Or are you going to be the problem today? And, uh, and, you know, if I know I go into the day and I don't want to be the problem, but I want to be a success, uh, 95% of the time I get out of my own way and I get things done and get things done in the right way and make progress. Well, that's the key. And I think choosing that is the key that we, uh, I was talking to Patricia Phipps, she's up there in San Francisco and um somebody said you know what do you wear when you're about to go on she's a public speaker what do you wear when you're speaking is it something to make you feel great and she goes i don't dress for the event <laughs> i dress for the way i see myself that's very different and it's that same idea of choosing to do this because of what it does for me first and then i think what that does for your audience or your your um your customer. So uh, I always uh, kind of finish my podcast since it's called tell me something good about retail with asking uh, my, all my guests this one question. Can you tell me something good about retail? Um, yeah, I can. There's a lot of good things. Um, you know, it's, it's far from dead. Um, the, the reports of the imminent death are those articles are written by the people selling products on the online. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you, you know, the more, the more you can specialize and actually talk to customers uh, in, in a conversational way and not get stuck in a sales pitch and treat every human, customers, even though retail is typically a thankless job, there are customers that will value uh, everything you know and do and offer. Um, and they'll reward you with uh, pulling out their checkbook. And, Absolutely. And loyalty, right? Because they'll tell their friends. And, yeah. Hey, just a 30-second story. Sure. Sold a bed to a couple. Through the sales process, it was really bizarre. They were both trying out the mattress and then, she would say to him, get out of the bed like you're angry. And so he'd jump out of the bed. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is really bizarre. <laughs> um, they ended up buying the bed. We delivered it. And about three weeks later, the whole family came into the store on a Friday night. Usually that means there's a problem with the bed. I would think so. Yeah. Instead, you know, that nine out of 10 times the customer's coming in, you sold us this bill of goods. It's not good. Right. Instead, the customer came in with a beautiful bottle of wine, handled, handed it to me and said, thank you. We are sleeping so much better now. Really appreciate it. Fast forward a couple of years, they got divorced. He kept the bed. 
she bought another bed from us. They both have been remarried and we've sold more beds to them. So the good news is, as the divorce rate keeps increasing in the U.S., mattress sales will also increase. <laughs> That's an excellent story, Barry. And how can they find out more about your store? Um, you can look us up at sleepluxurybeds.com. Um, we sell almost everything online as well as in the store. Um, we've got a lot of video content on of me describing the mattresses and uh, good experience. We've got a lot of sleep information and product information. Excellent. We've been a great guest and continued success for you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. All right. Bye. Take care. That brings us to the close of another episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail. I'm Bob Fibbs, your host, known as the Retail Doctor, based in the United States. Tune in next week when we have another set of movers, shakers, influencers, vendors, and brick-and-mortar retailers, all there to make you a smarter retailer. On this episode, I'm interviewing Al Jerry, founder and CEO of ZigZag Global, on the challenges of retail returns across the globe, how they vary by country, and what his company is doing to make it easier for both consumer and retailer. If you sell anything online, you should pay attention.